Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode 75 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason, and tonight I'm joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> As our esteemed colleague Billy Zane would say, fuck that cowboy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but however, uh, Hangman Adam Page, the wrestler, he's cool for his cowboy shit. But uh, but the fucking the players down in Dallas, yeah, fuck them and their entire fan base. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, don't turn this off. But please know, like you guys have one of the most toxic fan bases in sports. <laughs> and not all of you. I have some some good friends that are Cowboys fans. Are just the nicest people. But um, I'm always happy when the Cowboy when when the 49ers not the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Like, I can't stand the Cowboys franchise or the fans. I kind of like Dak as a person, though he really stunk it up That's in the clutch this uh, this week. But Well, you can be a good person and not be a good – not be an amazing – oh, okay, first of all, I hate when people say he's like, he sucks. No, he doesn't. Like, if you're in the NFL, you are the the best of the 1% quarterbacks of all well, yes. that exist. Right. But he, he really just – I think he doesn't play well under pressure. Mm-hmm. And – um, but uh, what, what I can say though is Ezekiel Elliott, not a good person. Yeah, he's <laughs> there's not much tread left on those wheels. <laughs> no, and he's just not a good human. He's, from from his uh, his his record, like you know, he he got arrested for like punching a security guard down here that told him he shouldn't be standing somewhere. Oh, really? Like so, he's mm-hmm. you know, he's what it is. But um, uh, so if you're listening to this on Sunday today, we will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles to see who goes to the Super Bowl. So uh, Joe Philly got- and I. Are going to be enemies for three hours, but then after that, we're totally cool. Because I do What's have your... a philosophy: is I'm not allowed to be upset about the game for more than one hour after it ends if we lose, yeah. because it's just a game at the end of the day. What's your prediction? My prediction, dude, fucking Niners by thirty, baby. <laughs> uh, um, real, realistically, I think it's going to be a close game. So I'm going to say whoever wins, it's going to be by ten points or less. Yeah. But I'm, so I'm gonna say Niners. Let's say twenty. Let's do twenty-seven to twenty-one Niners. Mm. Yeah, the I don't know. The Purdy magic has to run out at some point, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. That's the thing, man. It doesn't. <laughs> like it's um, well, it's, it's more a cool like story. It's a really cool story. But at some point, he's gonna he's gonna have to rise above, and it's gonna be well, the... he. But he's already done that. Like the dude, this is. He's won two playoff games. He's won more playoff games in his first season of football than Dak Prescott than Dak has his entire career. Like it's pretty impressive. And Jalen, he's already won more playoff games than Jalen Hurts has. Well, they're the bye, so yeah. No, and that's which is fine. What I'm saying is, you know, he yeah. had two high pressure situations. He succeeded in both of them. So, I, I it's a different team. The Eagles are fucking awesome. They're an awesome football team. And if we lose to them. It's that's just they're just a better team. It's what it is, what it is, and that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think I, it's going to be a very defensive game. Yeah, there's there's four teams left right now, and one of them's my team, and I get to watch my team play. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm a I'm not 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have another Golden Knights loss repeat. I promise that. <laughs> do, you, do you do you have a um a favorite in the uh, sports ball tournament? Yeah, you know how uh, we feel, Jason, when Mondo is talking about metal, and we're just kind of like nodding along and just going like, huh, "Yeah." Mm. Well, I, I care about metal. I just don't know. It's more about when Mondo talks about wrestling. That I'm just like, Ooh. okay, or wrestling. Yeah, one of the one of the topics the that Mondo can go in eat? deep. I'm, no, you, you have a depth of knowledge about several subjects that I have no knowledge about, and that's kind of how I feel once we get into sports talk too. I'm like, mm, yes, well, sir. I I I tend to. <laughs> I like if you ask me about another team that's not my team, I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like I, I just know enough about the team we're playing and my own team because I've always said like I'm not a huge, huge like football guy. Um it's mm-hmm. just I watching the 49ers reminds me of hanging out with my grandpa, you know, some of the right. favorite moments of life. Yeah. So it always reminds me of that connection to my grandfather. So it's kind of that's why I don't like it's just I refuse to let it make me angry because like Dude, I'd rather be. I think it's cool. Like it, it's people get so mad, but it's like, yeah, you said you had a good Sunday and you watched football with your friends and bonded and yeah. had a good time, but your team lost. Is that really a bad day? Yeah, doesn't seem like a bad day to me. I mean, I, I could go in depth on you know like cartoons from the 1930s and 40s. Like we can get into that <laughs> if we need to, but I don't really see a good opportunity for that to come up very often. Well, I mean, Skinamarink is bringing it all back, so yeah. I I, I, I I was talking to Mondo right before we started recording. I don't want to watch Skinner Ring, but I feel like I should at some point. I don't. Yeah, know. it's such a topic. It's gonna be such a topic the rest of the year that like I feel obligated to, to so I can say like at least I watched there. So, in my opinion, at least I try to watch it. Here's right. one thing that immediately doesn't really turn me off, but it just bothers me when someone goes. You, uh, someone will be like, oh, I didn't like it. Oh, maybe you didn't watch it in the right setting. It's like, dude, like my surroundings shouldn't have anything to do. Like, it can definitely enhance. Yes, but hold on, I'm getting there. It yeah, can but, definitely but, enhance the movie and make the movie no. more intense. Like, but I don't think my enjoyment is either ever 100% going to swing the other way if I watch it in a dark room oh, yeah. with no distractions. Um, well, See, like, I'm the same way because yes. people people always talk about like, oh, you have to watch this in the theater. Like, you know, the theater experience can't be replicated. And I'm like, my love of horror movies came from a tiny-ass CRT TV yes. like, that I grew up on. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, yeah, a good movie will look great no matter how you watch it. So, like, some movies benefit from it, but that doesn't. But that's kind of, like, almost like a handicap in a way. I, I, right. like, people- I have a feeling if I watch Skin and Rink at two, 2 in the morning with all the lights off with headphones, yeah, it'll probably get me pretty... With some with some jumps and some anxiety, but yeah, like, but I, I mean, but, but, they can, I but can I keep watch hearing like that there are jumps, but it's like loud noise kind of jumps, yeah, and nothing else happens for the entire movie. So yeah, you could surprise me, like ah, sound. Yeah. Well, I think I, I said this before, but there's a comedian, and he was on one of those. You know, he's a horror movie fan. He's on one of those horror movie, a horror movie, um, you know, best of whatever shows, and he was talking about how um how jump scares are lazy horror. He goes as a comedian, he goes if I tell bad jokes but then i run up to you and start tickling you and you start laughing does that mean i'm a good comedian <laughs> no i just yeah. it's a natural response like if i'm sitting here right now podcasting and a figure fell on my shelf behind me it might make me jump because it's an unexpected yeah. event but it's like it doesn't mean that my action figure has a a, a penchant for writing great horror uh yeah, right. no, I, I, I think there's a difference between a jump scare that's just a loud noise too though and like a well-crafted jump scare i agree like yeah. the crawl is my my example all the time. You know, they're down in the the under the house. 
there's water everywhere, there's there's crocodiles, there's all this tension the entire time, and then they'll just pop up at times. And it, like, I remember watching it in the theater, like, jumping out of my seat. Like, it's the, like, you know, almost throwing your popcorn like you see in the ads. But I, I, anyone can make a loud noise. If you do it right, though, a good jump scare works, but... You don't. I, I don't think most people know how to do it right. Correct, and and earplugs for anyone that hasn't seen Terrifier two. Terrifier two has exactly one jump scare in it, and it got me. And Jason, mm-hmm. have you seen it? I've seen that. I'm, I don't remember that jump scare. It's in the very end where they're going through the haunted house, through the carnival uh, house, yeah, okay. and the actual the the animatronic jumps out at her, and that got me because yeah. the whole movie was void of jump scares. And I right. wasn't expecting that. It was such a well-crafted jump scare because it's not what I expected. And it kind of broke the tension, which is sometimes what jump scares are meant to do is to actually break oh, yeah. the tension a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm, but I also look at it like if I put on headphones right now in my office and it was quiet and it's midnight, my lights are off, I could watch an episode of The Office and it could be scary. Like just because <laughs> I think because your brain starts taking over in well, those states. No, yeah. I, I'm just saying that, like, I think this is going to be a very divisive movie for the rest of the year. So I feel obligated to watch it. So I'll, I, I don't want to be that guy who, like, just knows he's not yes. just to shit on something because he knows. Sure. I might know I don't like it, but at least I'm going to give it a chance. You know, I'll definitely give it a chance because, again, I tend to be sometimes a champion of those movies that nobody else likes, like sure. Halloween Ends. <laughs> or blood sucking freaks, or I say, say I'm back on board. Book of Shadows, love it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm definitely gonna give it a shot because uh, also, you know, pay the five dollars or whatever it is to watch it on Shutter. Don't fucking pirate a, a fifteen thousand dollar movie. All right, here's what I'm gonna say about piracy. <laughs> it's um when, when you pirate ind- independent stuff, people say piracy is a victimless crime. So yes and no. Yes and no. Like if it's in reality, if someone pirates something and they're never going to pay to watch it anyways, sometimes that can actually be helpful because I do know, like, I've definitely, and I'll, I'll call myself out on this, I've definitely pirated a movie before. I'm like, holy shit, I need to go buy the Blu ray now, the 4K. Oh, yeah. I need to buy it on streaming. And I never would have spent a dollar on it before. But with independent media, especially, like, with the like their the views on Shutter and the and the and going to the theater and seeing it, even if you didn't like it, you're still it's still a dollar spent towards independent horror cinema, mm-hmm. and it's sure. still going to make the theaters. You know, we we talked about Terrifier two a lot and about the box office numbers that it did, but that's how more and more movies like like Evil. We talked about Evil Dead, um, Evil Dead uh, Rises, Evil mm-hmm. Dead Rises. Evil Dead Rise. If there rises, yeah. Um, how that was going to be just streaming, then they saw how great the other movies were doing. Like, no, let's put this in the theater. So, uh, like you said, Jason, you, you are right. When it, when you, when you look at independent media like this, it's very very important that they get our support and they get a few bucks. And if you can spend, dude, like, don't get. <laughs> we're not going to be those guys that are like, if you just don't get avocado toast today, you can buy a house. No, but if you don't get avocado toast today, you can definitely get a month of Shutter, and that's sure. worth your money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm willing to watch it on Shutter once it comes out. Yeah, I am not willing it. to pay theater tickets to go see mm-hmm. it. Like, I I don't feel like I have yeah. enough chance of liking it to do that. Yeah. Well, also my for me the theater is it's a it's a, an event, right? I have to go there. Sure. You know, it takes all this effort. Whereas, and and I hate to be this way, but I I spend I reserve that for the movies I really really want to see. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a lazy I'm movie fan. Like, <laughs> I, I am a lazy movie fan and I'll fully admit that. Yeah. I love this whole thing where movies come out on streaming like 
two weeks after they go into theaters. I think it's the best thing ever. I mean, Megan's Uh, already on streaming, so. Yeah, Megan's already out. I watched it last night with my kids and freaking loved it. Like, I can't wait for... I No, they loved it, too. I can't wait uh, because there is at least talk that there's going to be an R-rated cut that comes out when it comes out on Blu-ray. And if they do that, I'm 100% buying it because I love the movie anyway, the PG-13 version. And so I'll definitely be down for it. I haven't seen it yet, but next week I'll be traveling. That's going to be on my docket. Yeah. They're going to make so if they do that, they'll make so much money. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, All right. I got two announcements. First of all, is that uh, by the time this comes out, we have an interview out with Keith Thomas, who's the writer director behind Pikmin's model. Um, He wrote The Vigil, again, another amazing indie movie, one of my favorite indie movies last couple of years, and the Firestar remake, which for better or for worse is a thing with a great score with uh, John Carpenter. And uh, we talk about him working with John Carpenter. Him working with Guillermo del Toro, um, a lot of great stuff. Uh, I haven't really even seen Firestar yet, but I bought the vinyl because I saw that Cody, Cody, and John did it. It's a it's what a, a fantastic name basis. Yeah, it's so good. Like right. it's such a good soundtrack. I'll as we talk about our episode tonight, I'll talk a little bit because the insight I got into how these uh, the Kevin of Curiosities are made. Um, he gave me some information about that that I'll share. But definitely okay. watch the interview to hear more. And also, again, it's a really great story about working with John Carpenter. So. Um, that's worth the price of a mission. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, I edited, it, but I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. But I want to hear that because, like, I just imagine either John Carpenter is like the easiest person to work with, or the worst person, to, like not not right. worst, but difficult person to work with because he just seems like a perfectionist. Yeah, uh, again, I won't spoil it because it's a great bit and uh, I can't do it justice. So listen to the episode; <laughs> cool. it's it's well nice. worth it. Um, secondly, um, I'll be going to CreepyCon. Uh, I think it's February fourth, whatever this Saturday is. We're starting in February. Do you have to wear a fedora to go? Okay. <laughs> I missed the reference, but oh, never mind. Just Austin's a bunch of creepy guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we're all wearing tre- trench coats, trench coats, and fedoras. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm going with Al Cats. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Wasn't buddies for the day. That's nice. Can we get? Um, can we get um, you guys doing random things, and we'll set it to the La- Laverne and Shirley theme? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys like feeding ducks in the park, and on oh, on a on a tandem bicycle. There we go. Yes, that's my perfect bicycle. Um, so if you are in the LA area, you're going to that. Message me and I'll say hi. Right. You know, just I'm, come up to me. It'll no, be I'm pretty uh, in the LA area, and you didn't invite me, but that's cool. That was okay. No invitation. Go to different states, dude. It's a four-hour drive. I could be there on a whim. Could crash in your garage. You know, it's like a three-day drive for me. <laughs> so yeah, I understand. Judy had to start driving yesterday to get there on time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but today we're talking about Cabinet of Curiosities, episode seven, six or seven. I can't. I've lost count. It's seven. It's seven. Seven. We have um, one more left. There we go. The viewing. Wait, you just said there's one more left. I just got immediately depressed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was like, this can't so be the second to last one, but yeah. it is. Yeah. Um. All right. Second to last episode, episode seven, the viewing. Jordan, this is either going to be a very easy plot synopsis or a very difficult plot synopsis. Yeah, so I said the exact. I said that exact same thing to Mondo before we started recording, because this movie is like ninety percent vibes. Like it is not so much that there's a story happening through most of it, but ah, we'll we'll get into it in a minute. But this, I didn't need anything else. I didn't need anything other than what they gave me in this one. There's so many vibes in this episode that could be <laughs> sponsored by Hitachi. <laughs> I wasn't right. sure if that was going to land or that was going to go. Oh, away. yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. All right. So, uh, proud of story. That 
uh, four semi-famous strangers get invited to a rich guy's house for a viewing of something. And then for most of the movie, uh, probably 45 minutes or so, they're just hanging out, doing drugs, drinking tea, talking and philosophizing. And I, I was riveted the whole time. Honestly, it wasn't boring at all. It sounds boring, but it's not boring. And then everything goes nuts when they actually get to view the thing that we've been talking about. Um, it is some kind of, let me I'm going to go ahead and do the spoilers here. I know yeah. we do that every time, but yeah, we're jumping right into the spoilers. I, I am going to say one thing though. Like for a lot of people, if you guys listen to this, but don't watch the episodes beforehand for this one, please stop yes. right now and watch this. Episode. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to know anything beyond just, just go into this one with as little knowledge as possible. But anyway, when once now in spoiler territory, once they actually get to the viewing, uh, it's, a weird meteorite rock thing. No one is exactly sure. They've run a lot of scientific tests on it. Nothing's come back with anything. It's no element that exists on Earth. And then uh, one of the characters is smoking a joint, and the thing sucks in the smoke and cracks open. And once it cracks open, there's this sound that gives everyone like pain in their head, and these it breaks in half, and these tentacle horn things twist out and writhe and everyone starts getting nosebleeds and one of the guy's face melts and uh, another guy says it's probing me before his head explodes completely and then someone touches it their face explodes and melts and it just it craziness people are running trying to get away there's a golden ak-47 involved getting shooting at this thing ah, it's just it's glorious it's- it's like that scene in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark where they open the Ark and all the Nazis yes. like, man, like and melts. And that's the plot. Like, and then the people <laughs> run away and the creature gets out. That's the whole plot of this, plot synopsis wise. But it's so much more than what I'm describing. Yeah, it, it seems and, like he brought all these brilliant people together. And and when I say brilliant, like, um, you have Eric Andre, who's a who's a musician, musician, and then you have. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Charlene, I think, was her name. The uh, the scientist, and then mm-hmm. you have the, the psychic medium, and then the, the great author. Uh, so I think it's really cool how he just tries to find brilliant minds, almost like because he's given up as to what this thing is, and now he's like, let me just bring some brilliant people together and get them all full of cocaine and PCP, and we'll see what happens. Right. So I mean, let, let's level set a little bit because this is directed by Panos Cosmatos. Yes, one of the coolest names ever. And he directed Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow. So this is very much in that. Yeah. Other movies that I don't want to describe the plot to. (laughs) I mean, again, Mandy has a, could have a very, very simple plot. Mandy gets revenge for people that kill his wife. Yeah. Or you could talk about Cheddar Goblin. Yeah. No. And, and that's the thing. Like, this is one of those, when I was trying to figure out what to say for the plot synopsis, I could go deep into all of the various things that they were talking about and the just the way that he presents everything. Like and I'm already getting into review territory here talking oh, about go it. For it. But like something about the cinematography is very the word I came up with was sensual in that mm. it engages all your senses. Like when they're talking about the 50-year-old whiskey and he's zooming in on the whiskey and the people sipping it, it made me feel like I wanted a cup of whiskey. I wanted to smell that whiskey. I wanted to be there. And it's very, like, 
engaging with all of your senses there's sound there's smoke I, like i wanted to to have that joint they were passing you know like i wanted to be in that room hanging out with these people because want- of the way it just puts you right in i didn't want the coke oh, right. <laughs> okay jody okay i'm very i'm very afraid of coke i i, I have anxiety issues and i've very afraid my heart's going to explode at the possibility of it. I, I, I'm glad about the only one that feels that way. But I, if I'm in that room, I'm, I'm doing it. If I'm in that room and RoboCop that room, the RoboCop's offering you drugs, then you know, we should have done that. Or is it a trap? To review this one, we should have all gone to Los Angeles and sat in a circle and done a shitload of coke. And they're trying to <laughs> but, find uh, us dead and they think we we're some kind of suicide cult. Like, <laughs> there's something about this one though the way that it's all put together i almost like you get sucked into it enough i felt like i was on something i was stone sober watching this i felt like i was on well, something watching it. it's like mandy is like so psychedelic you're like yeah it, it, the, the music just like gets in the activates that part of your brain mm-hmm. i was uh, i was watching hot ones earlier today uh, they had an episode with Anna Kendrick that just came out, and I I just like watching those. I just think it's a very amusing interview style. Well, well he's a, he's a great he's a actually fantastic uh, interview. Yeah, but Anna Kendrick was talking about like the hot sauce was affecting her so much she felt like she was high. Yeah, like her brain was like going to that place. So it's it's yeah. interesting how visuals or other stimuli can activate those parts. Yeah, well, no, this is this is a movie I would recommend if possible. And we were just talking about how medium doesn't matter. But watch it in a dark room with the sound up. Like take take it all in where it's right there in front of you. I think is probably the best way to appreciate this one. I watch this on a Saturday morning after getting home from the gym while I'm while I was eating breakfast. And yeah, so I had the same I had the same feeling you did. But you're right. Like I, I think this. I think again, it's a sign of a of a really good piece of work. When mm-hmm. that's that was my experience while watching it in a completely different condition or um whatever different conditions and you watch it in but when i hear you say that i'm like fuck now i want to watch it again like yeah with a little bit of a buzz going maybe some cocaine and uh <laughs> maybe the, uh, I, I knowing the director i intentionally watched this on the bigger tv you know yeah. after the kids went to bed so you wouldn't be distracted so i could just like kind of ride with it um which i don't often get to do you know right. with the family with a family life or like on the yeah. computer. So i have to watch on the computer this one as it's like Give it a lot because I knew there's gonna be a lot of very details and things going on. What, what was interesting about this one though was like for the, that first 45 minutes, the visuals, other than like really good cinematography, there wasn't a lot going on. It was just the stuff in that room. It was kind of this like brown color palette, but somehow the way it was all put together, like a lot of people try to do that retro thing, you know, they'll put a filter over a movie, and most of the time it's distracting and looks bad. It perfect here. Like it felt like an older movie with that, and it it still just kind of pulled you in, even though there's not. It's not like flashy colors and blood and everything. It's just guys hanging out, talking. This is one of those scripts that, if it was handled by like, this this director, got it and understood it. And if this was not, if this is handled by someone who really didn't know how to do this kind of work, it could have fell flat on its face. But because mm-hmm. of uh, because of the direction of this and the cinematography and the uh, the great performances, by the way, of everyone involved in this, oh, yeah. it it really kept me engaged the entire time. Where even there wasn't a whole lot happening, it always had this sense of dread or the sense of what's next above. Mm-hmm. I always want to find out what's next, and right. I feel like every time um, 
Peter Weller's character kind of keeps beating around the bush, it's making me more and more into it, more and more right. excited. Like, I'm like, just yeah. get to the point, but not get to the point in a bad way. Like it's 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 building my anticipation of what's going to happen. Right. Like a really good edging uh, session. It's like I was build your. You finally just want to you know, you know, take care of things. I was really suspicious of that of him, like what his oh, intentions yeah. were. I was, I thought he was like setting them up for some sort of like experiment on them, like they were the subjects yeah. to be viewed. I did not expect there to actually be a thing to be that they right. were there to really see. I thought, I thought the draw, like I thought it was like tempting them and testing them, like right, kind of like kind of, almost like a Willy Wonka kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of taking them on a journey and then seeing like who was worthy at the end. He really reminded me, and I forgot the character's name, but the the bad bad guy in Cobra Kai. Yeah, mm. the way he's a rich guy, and you always feel like he's got an ulter- ulterior motive, and he never really did. Um, yeah, he always just went. He always just knew what he wanted to show them and how he wanted to get them there. And I think he was just as clueless as everybody else was. He was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, what's going to happen, and maybe one of these other brilliant minds can figure it out. One thing I did love about it is when they talk, when they briefly talk about the golden AK, mm-hmm. and he just says that's Hector's story, and it pans a Hector, and you just see a tear, and I was like, oh, what's Hector hiding? But that's <laughs> right. everything you need to know. That's that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need anything else. I just know that dude has seen some shit, and yeah, God, like so so good, and the soundtrack beautiful. Um, Eric Andre. He he has his moments He's of, really good. Of, of yeah, and he has those brief moments of comedic acting. But the comedic acting he does is more so how someone handles stressful situations with humor, less than just trying to be the comedic foil. And I thought he was very great in this. And when he, and when he talks about his favorite song he ever heard was it just was very very kind of moving. So I Eric, Eric Andre has surprised me a lot this year. Do y'all watch the Righteous Gemstones? I do not. No, I wanted to, but I haven't. Oh uh, yeah, he he plays a major role in the second season, and he is really good because that that's that same kind of drama with a little bit of comedy thrown in. And uh, yeah, he's he's great in that too, and he was great in this. And it kind of reminds me of how with Jordan Peele when he plays for comedy and his like mm-hmm. Get Out or mm-hmm. Us. Uh, he plays those little comedic moments, but they never feel like they're forced comedy. They mm-hmm. feel more like a character having a natural reaction to diffuse a situation using humor as opposed to just, oh, here's comic relief for the sake of comic relief. Um, yeah, let, I want to go through the characters because it's a very yeah. interesting group. So again, we have Peter Weller playing the wealthy gentleman, Lionel Lassiter. And of course, Peter Weller, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Robocop. I always forget he's in Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Did you know he shot uh, a guy in the dick? Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you then, uh, imagine Robocop Peter Weller versus Red Foreman from that 70 show? Right? And then we have Steve Agee plays Guy Landon, who's the author. He was in Brightburn, and then he plays the same character in Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. And he's, he's really he's funny. Great. Sad. I love Peacemaker. Um, Eric Andre plays Randall, the musician. Um Eric Andre's show, Disenchantment, and a ton, ton of things. And then we have Sophia Butella, who I love that actress. Every time she shows up, she's so charismatic. And she's like, I love when someone's like a dancer or gymnast or some sort of movement professional. Mm-hmm. And they're just the way they move is always just so fluid. Um, she was in The Mummy, The Kingsman, and of course, Climax, which yeah, is real fast. She's, almost in, movies. she's in the subpar Mummy. Not saying she wasn't good, but she was in the subpar (laughs) moment. Yeah, Um, I was like immediately smitten with her. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Mm -hmm. she was, and I'm like, oh, and she's one year older than me, (laughs) and she looks about ten years younger. (laughs) Well, she plays, and in this, she's playing Doctor Zaya, 
or Zara, who's like a contemporary of uh, Peter Weller's character, who's like mixing cocaine and fairy dust, and like it's just such a it's plays such an ethereal character almost. Like mm-hmm. couldn't get a handle on her. She actually feels like the most sinister character in the whole mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. because it, it's always like you have that guy who's you know you always get that guy who you think is the bad guy, but the person standing behind him is when you really need to watch out for one. Yeah. And she kind of plays that and she plays her character very playfully to where it's almost where you, you, you have to think like she knows something we don't know. Yeah. Oh, totally. She knows the universes oh, yeah. that we don't know. Um, and then uh, Charlotte Z, I think she's was a theoretical physicist or astrophysicist. Uh, astrophysicist. Astrophysicist. Well, Char- Charlotte um, Z was her character name. Her name is uh, Charlene Yee. Yeah, um, and she was she's usually a comedic actress. She's a knocked up. This is forty oh, disaster artist. Most of her, a lot of her credits are voice acting. Yeah, just love voice acting. And I thought she was really, really good in this. Like she played the character really well. And mm-hmm. I like after she, you know, she gets a little bit of cocaine in her. And I love at the end when she's just driving that fucking car like a hundred miles an hour because the whole time, like my butthole is clenched. I'm like, she's <laughs> gonna hit a fucking tree and they're gonna die. And I was happy they did not yeah. go that route. Yeah, and Eric Andre is just like screaming in the, yes. in the, in the sides, won't stop. Yeah. Um, and then Michael Fialt plays Targ Reinhold, who's some sort of psychic. Yeah. Um, he was in Nurse 3D and in Chucky. Um, he's so another like, another character that's really in, that's really interesting because usually, like when you have that psychic character who's so far fetched from the other characters involved, they played a lot for laughs and a lot like oh, look, yeah. but they but they actually all take him very seriously. Well, other than I, the uh, author, the author like had some like he he didn't want to put up with him. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like that though that there was one guy who's like, oh, shut up, psychic guy, yeah. but not everybody. Yeah, well, it is also that kind of you know the '70s was kind of the era for that, right? Where people were really sure. trying to first get their grasp around that. I mean, I think is that, is that when Miss Cleo started making some money? Was back in the no, 70s? that was '90s. Okay, that was mid '90s. But um, well, it's interesting because everyone's being a little pretentious towards each other. Like the author is being snootish towards the psychic, the psychic's being snooty towards the the scientist, and then you know. Peter Weller is like, they're like, what's the, there's a song or like sounds are playing in Peter Weller's house. And they're like, Oh, what, what song is this? They're like, Oh, the composer will never be known. I have to make it just for this house. No one else right. will ever hear it. That's like super pretentious. Well, well, Wu-Tang Clan did that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So like, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out whether they're like mocking each other or they're trying to one up each other. I, I, like, I think uh, they're trying to one up each other. It feels more like a dick waving contest than anything. Yeah, like, they're right. all trying to say it, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. And I, I noticed, and maybe I read this wrong, but um, Charlene's character, I thought she was the most subdued in that. Well, yeah, because they always, you know, you always hear the saying it's, it's, if you think you're the smartest or most talented person in the room, you're not. And she right. definitely was, the more quizzical, the more like she seemed like she wanted to learn more about these people. Whereas you're right, where the where the author was just like, I've seen everything, give me my drugs. And the psychic right. was like, I'm a psychic, fuck you guys. And Eric Andre is just like, I just want to go fucking play some music. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I like that everyone kind of had you felt like there was a lot more backstory to everyone than what you were actually getting. Mm-hmm. Like Eric Andre's character in particular. Like right. you could tell he felt like maybe his best days were behind him. He wanted to do something, but he's lost some of that spark that kept him going. Also, he's had some kind of history with drugs because every time the drugs came around, he was hesitant. But the guy would push him towards them, 
And like, there's all of this like character that's there, but we, you didn't have to say it. Like no one ever had to go, I had a problem with drugs. Like it, yeah. it's just there. Well, and, and also they made a big point that like, this isn't just cocaine. This is like from a special vineyard. Special and, cocaine. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. that, that only like 10, a hundred people in the world have access to like, and then the whiskey was on some special whiskey. Like everything had like some, well, even significance they, to it, they brought them out individually, their favorite drinks. Like, yeah. and, and to think about it, to do that kind of research on random people is just insane, right? Right. And and Eric Andre they brought him his favorite cigarettes, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm trying to stop smoking," but they knew in and and that's kind of weird, right? You're almost trying to force vices on somebody. What was yeah, that's um, where I was trying to figure out if it's like some sort of like the devil trying to tempt people. Yeah, which I think is like I, I think that's another really interesting thing about this is you don't really understand any of his, this guy's mm-hmm. motives. And even at the end, my only idea for his motives again was to see if one of these brilliant minds could crack the code of this this thing he has. Right. But again, if that's his per- if that's his goal, then like getting them loaded is gonna you know mess with their. I know he says he's trying to open their minds, but like so, they do their best work when they're sober. Somewhat. So, um, so let me let me let me educate you a little bit on cocaine. And again, <laughs> I'm uh, and, and I'm taking this from a from a, a friend who will remain nameless. Uh, John, uh, but <laughs> that's his real name, but it's not the name he goes by. So, and he's never gonna hear us anyways. So I was hanging out with this guy who's independently our age, roughly our age, has never had a, like not even a plant relies on him for survival. So he just kind of couch surfs and makes good money doing what he's doing. And we were, I was, I was doing some work travel. We met up and he's like, we should go do some cocaine. And I said, no, because like Jody, I'm fucking terrified of cocaine. And he's Anxiety like, issues. <laughs> and he's like, nah, dude, he goes, let me tell you how it goes. Like I get the pure shit. He's the pure shit is non-addictive. It's not going to hurt you. It'll just make you feel good because the reason why people die from cocaine is because they get non-pure stuff that's cut with other drugs and impurities and fucking Drano. I still didn't do it because I'm like, dude, that shit just terrifies me. But but that's what he's trying. That's the reason why he went that whole spiel was saying this isn't like don't be afraid of this because this is 100 percent the pure stuff from the plants. And yeah, it's going to get you fucked up, but it's, you're not going to be addicted to it. It's not going to kill you. I wondered if the author guy was supposed to be a version of Stephen King. You know, I thought the same yeah. thing because you know the Before. infamous Cujo story of shoving the what the tampons up his nose so he could finish yeah. writing. <laughs> And he was, he was, this is 70s Stephen King, if it was. So, you know, he's all about the drugs. And uh, I, I just, I, I kind of got that vibe from him that he was supposed to be someone like him anyway. Yeah, I um, bet, I bet if you, you know, I bet if you looked into it, I bet the writer might have had ideas for every character who they're supposed to be. Because yeah. I forgot there was that famous uh, psychic from the 70s too. And, oh, there goes a tongue. Yeah, yeah. So there, I think it definitely could have been, you know, it could have been based off real people. So what do you um, and what do you think what what do you think of the whatever the hell that thing is that like inhales the smoke? Yeah. Like, I don't think is there a significance between that that being the thing to open literal to literally open its mind, whatever that thing is. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the smoke actually was what did it or not, or being with these people. I, I don't know. It had its purposes. Like the thing in there had something it was trying to accomplish because. Once it came out, it took over that body of Peter Weller's character. So it had a it had something it wanted to do, but I don't know if it was just like finally had the right people or I don't I don't know. That that ending reminded of questions. me of um it was one of the VHS movies where they summon the they summon the devil 
at that cult that, that the cult yeah. um, cult compound mm-hmm. because I loved at the it's very end it crawling through the it crawling through the sewers and now uh-huh. it's in front of a town because it was like oh shit shit's about to go down now and at first I thought they were going really Lovecraftian with it because mm-hmm. uh, when his face melts from looking at it fucking amazing visual effect by the way but I thought it was almost like the you, you know, you re- when you read Lovecraft's work, it's very much so like people just going insane and dying from looking at one mm-hmm. of his creatures. So I thought they were going that route. Then they kind of twist it with being more of a demon. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's always those movies where they don't give me enough at the end where I think they just got lazy with it and didn't know how to end it. Whereas this, I don't think I, I didn't need that from this. It gave mm-hmm. me what I wanted. And yeah, and like you, Jason, I definitely have questions. Don't get me wrong. Who hit Jason, who is frozen. But <laughs> it is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's um, I don't think I needed the answers in this I think when you can craft something this well it's just there, there, don't, there doesn't need to be an answer when, it, when it's done yeah. this great yeah right. no, I, and, I like that it left it really ambiguous at the end like we mm-hmm. never knew what that thing was we never knew where it came from maybe it was space maybe it was an alien maybe it was a de- I, I don't know I, it doesn't matter though I think in this situation you know, this I, m- I like that you know, this made me really, really want. Again, I'm not a big fan of remakes, but I want uh, Panos Cosmatos to do some. I want him to do the Beyond. I want him to do a Beyond remake. Mm. I want mm. him to do because I, I see a lot of in him like what I loved about Lucio Fulci, where it's that loose narrative with just these great cinematography, these great visuals that kind of engage you and bring you in. And maybe I'm the only one because I'm such a full Fulci fucking mark, but. That's what I love about that. And I see a lot of the same qualities in him and how he brings this stuff together and just has like this very like knack for like keeping you visually engaged. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this script with a mediocre director, even like I'm going to say even someone who's not excellent, because I think this fucking guy's excellent, could have easily fallen flat. And mm-hmm. he took this dude, it, the, the whole movie, the 90 percent of it's in one room. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and holy um, shit, did he make it engaging and enthralling to the point where, like, I think I'm gonna watch it again before I go to bed tonight. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so the there's time. two things about this process that, that I want to bring up. So the way it works is that uh, Guillermo del Toro, when he picks some, he picks people for specific things, or he gives them the, uh, a project. I, I think I don't know. For, so like for Keith Thomas for Pikmin's model, they came to him and said, "We want you to do Pikmin's model." Mm-hmm. This one, I'm sure they just went up to Panos Cosmatos and said, do what you want. Yeah, well, Pan- Panos Cosmatos actually wrote this. Yeah, with oh, his uh, awesome. partner. His partner who wrote Mandy. Mandy. The same, same but, guy. So, but uh, once, he, once Guillermo del Toro gives them the basic, the basic idea, he says, you can do whatever you want with it. I have two. Uh, if, so there's some, if I have a different opinion, I'll get on my knees and beg. <laughs> you don't have to take it. But he so he'll you give them free free reign to do pretty much anything. I'm assuming there's gonna be some limit, but uh, I want to ask him. He'll, how he, how he, he'll trust the people he chooses to to do it. If he has an I opinion, see. he'll tell them, and then they can take it or leave it. And the only thing he insists on is that he designs the monsters. Which again, how do you say no to Guillermo yeah. del Toro to design your monster? Yeah, that's true. That is 100 percent true. Um, I thought that was really interesting to yeah. think about that process. So, you know, you pick your person, you're going to trust in them. I did. I did love the monster in this one, though, while we're talking monsters here yes. for a minute, because when it first emerges, these things come out that I'm not, I'm still not sure. Are they, they look like horns, like demon horns. They also look like tentacles and they wiggle and squirm and or like, a wor- like, I don't even know what they are. 
And in the end, it takes over Peter Weller's character and has those things coming out of its back. And I'm still not sure if they were supposed to be more like horns or tentacles or what, but whatever they were, they were cool and 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 very scary. Like mm-hmm. I don't get scared in movies very often, but watching this one, like that whole scene, once things started going, I had anxiety afterwards where I'm like, I don't know how to be a normal human for the next like 10 minutes. Well, it's interesting you bring up Del Toro designing the monsters because that's total Del Toro, right? As being mm-hmm. a, a huge Lovecraft fan, he wants you to have that feeling and have to think about like, you know, what I mean, like uh, Lovecraft is all about the unknown, like things that should not be and Horton shouldn't move like that. <laughs> Right. And I felt the same way. I was like, Ugh, like, like I, I couldn't decide if it was Lovecraft or I'm seeing the devil rise here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then there's that really cool shot—the very last shot of like the monster kind of creeping out of the gutter or whatever or drain into the city. Remind very much of like the end of like Zombie, where you know a zombie's heading walking into New York City, like. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like a larger shit's about to go down. Uh, I want to. I want to just go on a rant about zombie now and how much I love that movie. But I'll digress. So good. <laughs> I'll digress. The ending, I think, of zombies, like one of the most brilliant endings in film history. But yeah, what, brilliant what, and simple. What I think is so cool about the ending too is a was that like a was that an old school matte painting? Oh yeah, kind of looks like it. Yeah, yeah, I love that fucking. I love it. It's it gave a, me. It, it gave it gave me all the feels. But it, it's kind of one of those things that I always love in horror where. It's cool. Now this demon's released in the city. What's next? Because every, like you think about it, in all these horror movies that we watch where cities are being overrun by whatever, it has to start somewhere. And it starts right. small. And that's just the beginning. And that's kind of like so fucking terrifying when you think about it. Like Shaun of the Dead is actually a great example of showing how a zombie pandemic would actually start when they, when they're first, mm-hmm. there's first scene, like little snippets of it. And I think the same thing, I felt the same way at the end of this, what I thought was pretty great. There's also um, just a, a cool piece of trivia that I read on IMDb earlier was that in when they serve the whiskey and the glasses, it's the same glass. It's the exact same whiskey glass they use in Blade Runner for Deckard. <laughs> nice. Which, which, which it sounds like something Del Toro would put in there or, or probably even uh, uh, probably Impanos would put in there because that's such a cool little callback. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then as we round, round down towards, uh, wind down towards the episode ranking, like, how do we even fit this compared to the other ones? It's so, it's such a unique well, take what, on it. How, I don't know. I mean, I know, how, I know, I know where I put it in there. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. not that difficult. I mean, this is an, an easy one for me to rate. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that too. But uh, it's, it's, <sighs> I just complained about Skinnamarink. Okay. <laughs> That it felt like it's more just like feelings and you're just not, not a lot happens and all this. But at the same time, that's that's what this one was. It was. Well, not a lot happens, but there's still things happening. Yeah. Well, and that's I told that to Mondo before we got started, that even when nothing is happening, like as far as moving the plot forward, it felt like it was part of something bigger, you mm-hmm. know? We can even take like the Blair Witch Project, which a lot of people said nothing happens, but you're 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 building a sense of dread or a sense of foreshadowing mm-hmm. or foreboding, and that's why I think they did really really well here, where you knew something was going to happen. Like it, if the end of it would have been like this guy wakes up and he's a clerk at Quick Stop, yeah, then I'd be like, what the fuck did I just watch? But I know that, but it felt like they're building to something bigger, and right. then they did pay that off. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. But I. This this is one that from the very beginning I was hooked into it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like they start off, you see the invitation and it reads out the invitation and then this music kicks in and a car is driving. The like soundtrack. the moment that music kicked in, I was I was in 100%. Who did the soundtrack? Keep, keep going, I'm a little luck. Okay. And I also like in, in this conversation that they're just kind of all having back and forth, you, you get that they're kind of playing games with each other, like they pass around a joint and then they get back to the guy who kind of started the whole thing. And he's like, I don't go for that hippie shit. Like <laughs> you don't know, like what, what, where, why did the joint come out? If he's not into it, why is all this happening? But then they're also talking like philosophy and like, uh, I like the line. It's that everyone has two lives. The second life begins the moment you realize that dude, all along you only had one. That like, my- Oh dude. <laughs> I was laying in bed just thinking about that. Line. Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> have I wasted my life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the record, I have not. I'm, I'm very, very satisfied. <laughs> um, so this, the score for this one was a uh, Daniel Lopatin. Okay. And he did uh, Uncut Gems, which explains a lot. The anxiety. Oh, dude, he's worked, with, he's worked with The Weeknd on a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of The Weeknd's music, but got, like I, I in the Fangoria, they talked about how much he loves horror and how mm-hmm. he like, got all these effects. Like, fuck, dude, nothing but respect for that kind of stuff. But yeah, he did uh, the bling ring. You know, he's, he's got a vibe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I love that soundtrack. Me too. The visuals, the soundtrack, like I said, it's very much... Sight, sound, smells, taste, and even, obviously you can't smell and taste in the video, but the way it was shot made it feel like almost you could, you know? No, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, have you ever, so um, recently I was working in Norfolk, Virginia, and I, I drove back to my home, my home, my little, little, little circle I lived on when I grew up, and uh, uh, scared a person because... All I'm going to say is I, I wanted to get out and take a walk around and see if like all the stuff we built when we were kids is still there, but... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Trump flags, a lot of NRA flags. So, yeah, yeah. I thought better, but when I was driving back, um, there's a place that my grand. So my grandmother, her favorite thing in, in, ever was feeding squirrels, enough to where the squirrels only liked it, the only would only eat the roasted salted peanuts. <laughs> so one time she bought the wrong peanuts, and my grandma sat there for a whole a whole morning roasting peanuts and salting them, so the squirrels would eat them <laughs> on our porch. Uh, but but what I'm trying what I'm trying to get to is is that I drove by the actual shop we used to buy peanuts at that still sta- is still there. Uh, yeah. All they saw are nuts, and I could immediately the minute I saw that shop, I could smell it. I could smell mm-hmm. it. I could see it. I could taste it. And I think that's what Jody's getting at. Even though you're not here, they give you so many great visual like cues that mm-hmm. just activates those parts of your brain that make you think like, I can smell that cocaine. <laughs> you know what was you know what I thought was really funny though. He said I don't smoke the hippie shit, but then he has like his own mirror of cocaine. He's just Dude, yeah, he does, he does so huge much cocaine. mirror of cocaine, so well, much. Another piece of comedy in there, which I thought was funny, but I get it was was Eric Andre when he's running away and he drops the cocaine. He's, he's like fucking grabs the cocaine to take with him, yeah, right. and he drops it. And I think like I, I kind of laughed at. Him. I was like, dude, like that's like a a lot of money worth of cocaine. I think anybody would right. do that. Like, I could I could see if we're all to horror con and suddenly there's like something bad happened. We'd be trying to like, I'm going to save this action figure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this vintage fucking Freddy figure is not going to go to this horrific tragedy we're about to see. I don't know. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our episode rating. Um, zero to five. Five being the best. Half points. Jody. I'm going five. That's easy for me. Uh, I loved everything about this. 
Mondo. Can I break the scale and give it a six? <laughs> um, definitely a five. I I absolutely love this so much. Enough to where like, because uh, you know, behind the scenes, we had a lot of technical difficulties. As we getting together to record. I'm like, this is the one episode I'm definitely not missing because I mm-hmm. loved this so much. Yeah, I love the visuals, love the cast, love the story, love the the music, like everything in this fucking episode just spoke to me, and it's a beautiful piece of cinema. Yeah, I'm going five as well. It's just, it's almost unfair. <laughs> such a talented director, give him such a good cast, give him so just carte blanche to do whatever he wants. The amazing composer and just yeah. let him go wild. I, I love a director like him too, who only makes something every now and then. Mm-hmm. And every time he does, it's awesome because he takes his time and like comes up with these amazing things. So there's something to say, you know, for somebody who, Picks his projects carefully. Um, <laughs> unrelated, but kind of related. Have either of you guys ever seen um, is a, a, a 90s short film called Aftermath? Mm-mm. Don't remember, no. There's a director, Nacho Serda, that did this movie called Aftermath, which is because he reminds me of this director, and he did this great short, which is all about necrophilia, about someone fucking a corpse in a morgue. Um, but it's like oh. the most beautifully shot necrophilia movie ever made. And then he did... <laughs> Wait, better uh, than uh, Necromantic? Uh, well, Necromantic it actually has its own. Necromantic Two is better than Necromantic, by the way. Um, but Necro, but <laughs> that's, but that's the tagline for this uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how Major League Two is better than Major League. It's the same. But, but <laughs> let me. I, that might be. That it's might the be, Empire Strikes Back of. Uh, <laughs> that might be the well. That might be the first time now that Necromantic's ever been compared to both Major the Major League series and the Star Wars series. <laughs> but, but he and what I and what I'm saying is I'm I'm hoping he keeps getting opportunities to do great things because the guy that did Aftermath, Nacho Serda, I was so excited by this and Unearth Films of the DVD, which I still have somewhere. Um, Jody, this is up your alley. I think you'd enjoy this because it's just because the cinematography. It's just a beautiful movie, even though it's about this horrific, horrific like content. And then he did uh, one of the what was it called? Six Films to Die For. Mm, yeah, he did the abandoned. Okay, and if you haven't seen that, I think it's really worth watching because he has this just great visual style, and, and I think that like at the time it was almost no one gave a shit because people weren't into that kind of thing now. Where I think he'd have a shot now. I don't think he's done anything since. So I really hope this director keeps just like I, I hope he gets more projects like this mm-hmm. because God damn it, does he just have like like I said like if I was a billionaire. I'd be trying to figure out how to get the rights to the Beyond, have him remade the Beyond, and I hate yeah. remakes. But this is the guy I want. You to know, make. another remake I think he'd be really good for, and because like, I just watched this for the first time for unknown reasons, why it took me so long was Video Drug. Yeah, Can how you imagine you, that? Yeah. I, I meant to, I meant to ask you because I want to talk to you about that because uh, that's one of my favorite Cronenberg films. Because it's just the scene where he's sitting on the couch and starts like fingering his belly button. Yeah, mm-hmm. not sponsored by Hitachi. Uh, starts fingering his belly button <laughs> and I put his whole fist in there. He's like fisting his stomach and pulls the gun out. That mm-hmm. to me is one of the most horrific scenes in the history of cinema. Oh, that movie was mm-hmm. amazing. And I knew it's well, I don't know why it took me so long to walk to see it, but just I just always passed it over and I, 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 I knew I, I'd like it and I totally liked it. I feel sometimes that we, we get so deep into you know, this is a genre that we obviously all really, really love and adore that I think we all I bet we all have those 
classics, those cult classics we haven't seen because we just know they're going to be good. Why do mm-hmm. I need to watch it when I know it's good? Right. When I can watch this shitty fucking shot on video movie from 1995 <laughs> that uh, no one's ever seen before. And I, I think it happens in a lot of um, uh, niche, niche genres. Uh, metal's the same way where it's like, the minute a band has more than 5,000 fans, oh, they're sellouts. Let me find the new cool <laughs> underground thing. And I think horror is the same way. N- not saying that we have those elitist tendencies, but saying that like it's easy to push those big films to the back burner to, to watch what's new, what's fresh, yeah. or what's well, different. Find those well, weird movies. And, yeah. You know, well, what's interesting with video joint, it's like more relevant now than it was then. Like the idea of like those snuff films that, you know, crazy shit you find on pirate stations, like, with the internet, that's like oh, the internet, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, it was I like mean, way ahead of its time. But what's crazy though was like that was like the prime era because, um, do you guys know about the Amer- the the guinea pig films? Yeah, mm-hmm. like those. Like, the, the story about Charlie Sheen getting a hold mm-hmm. of one and thinking it was real is a hundred percent true. And I've always found that whole thing fascinating. Um, but even like a movie like that, like think about how it ties into some like they live, which they live mm-hmm. is. I think it's funny. I think my daughter watched that like a few years back and was holy shit this is yeah <laughs> yeah this is very close to reality uh, mm-hmm. uh b- by the way my daughter is over for dinner last friday and she's like i listen to your podcast sometimes you know how she described it silly okay okay i can take that no I, for, you know what from a 20 year old person calling our podcast silly I think that's a fucking win for dads everywhere. Better than boring. That's, boring is <laughs> that's the one right. thing I don't no, want to hear. She, she, was right. very, she was very positive. I said, you guys are just silly and it sounds like you're having a good time. And that's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if, if we had 10 people listening or 100 people listening, I, I just have a good time shooting this shit with you guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mondo, do you have a song of the day? I do. I do. So I had to think. Like I wanted to go super 70s prog rock with this. But this is also metal as fuck. <laughs> so I blended those worlds together and found the perfect album. There's a man by the name of Dan Swaino. I've talked about before with the other bands, Edge of Sanity. He's in the band Bloodbath. He's in a million different bands. He's such a great musician that if he hears your band and then doesn't like the next album, he's like, I'll just write the album you should have written and call it by a different name. But back in 98, he wrote in his own solo record called Moon Tower, and he's super into 70s prog. 70s prog is his favorite stuff. And he basically wrote this whole album by himself, did all the instruments himself, and couldn't figure out, like, he couldn't figure out how to sing it. He goes, I don't know, like, like it's not sounding right. So he decided, what if I just fucking growl it and do death metal vocals of the whole album? And it just worked. It sounds like if Jefferson Starship had a death metal vocalist. <laughs> And it's wow. a it's a great fucking record because I figured this movie's seventies, it's prog, but it's also metal as fuck at the very end. So I had to go both worlds. Um, Dan Swain, in my opinion, is one of the best musicians to ever live, and just um, he has a band called Odyssey, which does more like prog rock, you know, Bloodbath, which is straight old school death metal, Infested, which is like Flory. And what's funny is Infested was based off American death metal, very different than Swedish death metal. <laughs> but it's based off American death metal. And he's been, uh, he helped, he's helped produce bands like Catatonia and Opeth. Um, he, he's done a lot of stuff. The guy's just a, a brilliant musician. So uh, I want to pick something off his solo record, Moon Tower from 1998. And uh, I think I really, this, I think the song I'm going to pick is going to be um, Add Reality. Doesn't really fit this episode, 
but it's a prog 70s record with cool sense synths um, with some death metal vocals to give it some Satan. We need some Satan in this uh, in this episode. And Jason, uh, I think you'd actually really enjoy this album. I, as you were talking, I just went and um, bookmarked it on Spotify because this sounds right up my alley. So I bought this album. It came out in 98. I, when I think it was like 16, I sent a lot of money <laughs> to Europe as I used to do all the time. <laughs> and I think it took like six months for this album to come for the CD to come to my house. <laughs> right. So, you know, when people say, oh, it was better back in the day, it was, but it wasn't. It was <laughs> in the fact that I think we appreciate, I think that we gained an appreciation of the arts that some people, and I'm not saying everybody, right? But I do think a lot of people, even people our age nowadays take for granted uh, because you had to seek out music. You had to seek out, like, I remember watching my first, first I saw Cannibal Holocaust was on like a third generation VHS dub on mm-hmm. a 17, like a little 17 inch VCR TV combo. And I think you learn to really appreciate media that way. But the beauty of it is like, I can tell you, Hey, here's something I really like and send you a link to it and you can listen to it mm-hmm. immediately. Oh, yeah. And that's beautiful too. So when everyone, everyone says it was better, back, it wasn't better. It was just more nostalgic because we had this appreciation for media that I don't think we get now. But I do think the rise of physical media, the rise of vinyl is kind of bringing that back a little bit. And I think it's also, I hope it's going to force artists. And I don't mean this to metal artists because metal artists are not making the big bucks. What I mean is I think a lot of major artists, whether they're great, bad, whatever, don't write albums anymore. I think they write singles and they write filler. and. Not really. I'm not knocking them. I'm saying that's just the business. Mm-hmm. I read that the average person when they when they download a new album on like Spotify or iTunes, they listen to a max of 20 minutes, and they move on. So you put the best shit in your first 20 minutes because we're gonna listen to. But I really hope that as like physical media starts again, people are buying vinyl again, that it actually sparks these artists to write full albums because I do truly think that like I'll use Motorhead. I love Motorhead. Everyone knows Ace of Spades. Everyone knows the hits. But the but his fucking deep cuts were the best stuff he ever did. And you only know that if you buy the record. So I, I think we're kind of going back in that direction, just to go off on another fucking weird tangent that no one's going to care about. But <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Dan Sueno, the album Moon Tower, and the song Add Reality. All right. Thank you, Mondo. Jody, got some horn news. Yeah, so this is kind of a slower time of year for horror news, but I do have a few things for you. Uh, First off, some releases that are coming out. Like I said, Megan came out just a couple days ago on VOD while still in theaters, which again, I freaking love this trend of getting things out on home video faster. Another one, uh, (laughs) Birdemic 3 is going to be on VOD on uh, January 24th. If you didn't know that there was three Birdemic movies, there are. Have you guys Somehow. seen one or two? I have seen the first one before. It's yeah, a I think very, I saw the first terrible one. movie. Yes. The first one is hard to watch because it's not just a bad movie. It's technically terrible as well. Like yes. the way the yes, sound no. will jump between channels and, and change. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a beautiful scene of them trying to fight birds with hangers. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean like the hangers you find in your, like the you know abortion hangers, like they're trying to fight birds with those. And <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm not wrong, but uh, the way the, the way the country's going, I'm not wrong, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's it's a beautiful scene of like what the fuck are they thinking? Yeah, 
Uh, the biggest release right now, too, is uh, Brandon Cronenberg's new movie, Infinity mm. Pool. Uh, comes out this Friday, the 27th. Um, it will be the R-rated version in theaters because uh, that's all that you can put in theaters, really, and make any money. But uh, when it premiered at Sundance, what, like last week? Like, it hasn't been long. It just premiered. So are they doing Sundance? Can you actually watch that stuff online? I don't think no, so. I don't think you so. have, oh, have okay. to be at Sundance. Okay. Uh, but when it premiered, it was an NC-17 movie, uh, but I read an interview with Cronenberg, and he said it's just not viable to put that out there in theaters. Nobody will come see it. Theaters won't carry it. So this is the cut version. He does recommend that you still see it in theaters, but um, when it comes out on right. other media, it will be the full version of it. Yeah, I, I might wait till the full version. It makes me so happy that – so um, did you guys watch Crimes of the Future? Yeah. Um, I haven't yet. I liked it. It was one of my least favorite David Cronenberg movies. Sure. And, and not that it was bad. That's not a knock on it. Like, I love it's Cronenberg. It's not bad. It was just kind of bland in comparison. Yeah. I thought it was actually one of Vigo Mortensen's worst performances. Yeah. It was, there's some really weird performances, yeah. which is saying something for Cronenberg. But, um, <laughs> like, I love that his son is just like, fuck you, dad. I'm going to go over the top. <laughs> yeah. Like his his rebellious spirit is going. I'm gonna make weirder movies than you make that. Going weirder, yeah. And the, the trailer's so good. Uh, Mia Goth, like she's coming yes. out as a great horror film, and like her lack of eyebrows annoys me. <laughs> and when I say it annoys me, it just it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so I, I never I thought about that, but now that's I will. I will, I will say, I like I actually looked it up at one point because I was curious what was going on there. They, she has eyebrows. They're just very, very light color. Yes. And she has made a conscious decision to not like color them in or anything like that. And just to be who she is, she felt bullied about it when she was uh, a kid. I love it so She's much. She's like, now I'm no. going for it. I'm going to no. be who I am. I, when I say it makes me uncomfortable, please understand it's not a knock on her. I'm saying that that works. No. That it's works. a unique look that yes. makes her look her different. Look is fa- her look is fantastic. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get to. Um, uh, but man, she just turned into like... Like the, the I don't know I I can't I want to say Jamie Lee Curtis but she's not because she's no. not a scream queen she's like this she's badass um a Ripley oh more of a Ripley I would say than anything more of a good house Gordon Weaver yes yeah, yeah. Weaver um so I'm super excited to see that yeah uh, other news a trailer dropped earlier today I think uh, for a movie called We Have a Ghost yeah. uh, which is a horror comedy <laughs> family friendly looking Beetlejuicey kind of thing uh, coming to Netflix February twenty fourth. Uh, written and directed by Christopher Landon, who did Freaky, who did Happy Death Day, Ooh. just great stuff. And it stars David Harbour uh, as the ghost. Oh, I'm sold. No, give the full, give the full cast. Oh, yeah, the full thing. Uh, you've got uh, David Harbour, Anthony Mackie is in it, Tig Notaro, uh, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, she's having yeah. a moment. Yeah. Man, she she so plays like some stuff. sort of psychic. I'm really excited yeah. for that. Yeah. Like the Netflix thing kind of gives me a little bit of pause because those movies I just don't have a great track record. Uh, for Christopher Landon though but, keeps me. But he, yeah, I, I'm hoping that he. I loved, I, I loved Happy Death Day. I mm. loved Freaky. Like those are fantastic movies. Yeah. And he wrote and directed both of those too. So that gives me hope. Yeah. R- real fast. I'm, I'm really, I saw it this morning. I was like, this looks fun. Yeah. If you don't know about Tignatoro's past, like she's like a survivor. She's cool. Like, she's a bad Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I th- she actually did a comedy special that she thought was going to be like her comedy special before she died mm-hmm. uh, because of her cancer. So she's a, she's fucking awesome. Yeah. It, it, it looks great. And uh, that cast 
really pushes oh, it on the top for me. I'm sold. Uh, also, Sean S. Cunningham has announced that he is working on a Friday the 13th reboot, a new reboot. I saw that. With with Sean S. Cunningham at the helm in some way. I don't know if he's producing or directing or what, but yeah. Yeah. He's also doing a reboot of the movie House. Uh, if you yes. don't know House, you do probably know the VHS cover with this rotted zombie hand ringing a doorbell. Well, the tagline is Ding Dong, You're Dead. Ding Dong, You're Dead. Fantastic. Like one of those classic VHS covers. And he's working on a new movie called The Night Driver. So Sean S. Cunningham doing all kinds of it, shit all of a it, sudden. And I'm here's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of the Friday the 13th remake, but if we're getting any kind of new Friday the 13th content, it has been so freaking long since there's been any kind of Jason on my TV know, that's not old. Have I'm you, ready for it. Jody, have you watched the fan films? Another, another oh, yeah. Hike that's all I've okay. got. Yeah, the fan Those films. Those are so are well done. Going. Um, yeah. the the remake of Friday the Thirteenth, it seems like it's a no, it seems like it should be an easy no brainer, right? Yeah. And they somehow, I don't know, I don't know how they ruined that. I don't know how you ruin that. Like, I just don't. Well, well, when's the last time? Okay, let me ask this. When's the last time you guys watched it? Oh, it's I, been so a while. Recently, actually, I okay, tried watching yeah, it again re- to see if I like it more than the first time. Yeah. I actually remember watching it in the theater. I watched it at midnight in the theater, and I was like, that wasn't that bad. Then I watched it again. I was like, oh, no, this was terrible. I was definitely biased. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. I'm that's not interesting. That. I saw it in the theater and I was like, that's okay. And then I saw it six months ago. I was like, you know what? That's not terrible for compared yeah. to that era. And like, I mean, this the is other Jason, remakes. Jason, I'm going to tell you right now, you're a boob guy. <laughs> Great nipple <laughs> placement. That line kills me. I love it. Because that movie had a lot of boobs and not in the fast. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, that was the Platinum Dunes era of remakes too, all the Michael Bay influence. So there were a few good ones came out around that time, but I don't think this was one of the okay, top ones. Okay, when you ones. say a few good ones. Uh, Hills Have Eyes remake. Was uh, really I was good. coin flip on that one. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre I really enjoyed. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. So there, there, were, there was a few good ones floating around out there in that time period, but uh, not horror's greatest that's actually one of those where the trailer was way better than the movie because like I was actually down for running Jason because it was fucking terrifying. Now this fucker can run. Oh shit. Um, Also Derek Mears is an awesome guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I I think, I think it's funny because a better script could have helped that one a lot. I think him as the actual physical character of Jason was great. Much like I thought um, Jackie Earl Haley did a great job as the physical Mm -hmm. Freddy Krueger and they just gave them both like, well, granted, he don't have a whole big script to work with. Derek Myers, didn't, he just, mm-hmm. you know. But like Jack, you hey, they gave him like the worst fucking script possible yeah. to work with. And the Whereas, makeup just wasn't. No, but Freddy was actually scary in that movie. They just surrounded it with a bunch of bullshit that did not work. Yeah. And that one kid that always looks like he's smelling a fart. Yeah. <laughs> he's right, actually, he's my... actually a good actor. But <laughs> Yeah. Gall- but my... Gallagher, Gallon, something. Mm-hmm. All right, my final piece of horror news is, uh, you know, it is award season. So now we need to talk about all the movie, all the horror movies that have been nominated for Oscars this year. <laughs> all right, yep. moving on. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Just I like, like I, always. I like to think, though, because of the campaign that you had a bunch of smarmy fucking uh, Oscar whatever <laughs> panelists having to watch Terrifier 2. I hope so. I hope they had to. I was... I was really hoping for Mia Goth to get a nomination. Mia Goth needed a nomination. It's, nope. 
had all kinds of good stuff going. At least, like, it. I, I was hoping Nope, at least get like a technical word, like cinematography. It's something. It's, I really thought it could have well, done. It drives me nuts in that, like, I, I'm not a big fan of the Oscars anyway. It's like, who gives a I don't shit? Care. Yeah. But when you yeah. see the movies that are nominated and you're like, dude, like, come on. Like, I, I do that. What didn't um, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once got yeah, nominated? It, it best did picture, well. though, right? Uh, yeah, I'll give them credit for that because um, the fact that that movie came out, like, usually movies that come out early in the year don't do as yeah. well. So, mm-hmm. But the fact that that's lasted and, like, it's so many actors and director nominations well, I mean, that 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 one did get a ton of nominations at least it, that the, i mean North re- realistic, cinematography like fuck, yeah. dude. um as a yeah. horror fan like i don't care if this panel like caters to my taste like they don't they're never going to if i, I you know and i'm going to be somebody who watches cheap bad movies and loves them so I don't need the Academy. I do wish for the people who are making yes. it that they mm-hmm. got recognition. Yes. I want Mia Goth to get recognition. I, I mean, want Jordan Peele's people to get recognition. I don't care for me. I care for them. Do you, you know, for the Grammys, there's one metal character category, and it's best yeah. metal live performance. And it's always won by like some shitty band like ACDC. And, and Jethro uh, Toll over Metallica. <laughs> well, do whatever. That was 88, though. That was fucking 30 yeah, years ago. I what can. I mean, though, is like, at we're, this now we can't have a best metal album. Granted, mm-hmm. me won by a band I don't respect, but like horror needs something, man. Like there's so many talented people in the genre, and mm-hmm. it just sucks that it gets shit on because of the the content's producing. Whereas like I'd argue that X, yeah, it's a horror film, but it's more well made than ninety nine point nine percent of the mainstream bullshit out there. Yeah. My rant. All right. Thank yeah. you, Jody. Awesome. That's my news. Oscar Meyer, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what, what dad advice can we pull um, from this episode? <laughs> if you're How about this? Cocaine, I've got do uh, pure cocaine. <laughs> I've got a here's. A, I've got a question for you guys. If you could choose an artist to do the soundtrack for your home, what artist would you want? Oh, I'm. I have an easy one. It'd be Goblin. No. Yeah. There's no question about that. Like, it'd just be because it could go from like, I could be taking a shower and have a little jazzy soundtrack. And I'm putting my shoes on to get ready for work. You'd be downtrodden. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty versatile. Um, Two in the morning, you have to go, you know, make sure your windows are shut. Yeah. Get that creepy soundtrack. Like, oh, yeah. I can do this, this jazzy fucking New Orleans soundtrack. I got this. <laughs> Where to think, like, if I ha- if I hired John Carpenter, it would just be all ominous all the time. We get a little, like, chug, chug, chug guitar going. Yeah, I mean, fuck, dude. Like, John Carpenter, the soundtrack in the mouth of madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I hope, he, I hope he tours live again, because fuck his live shows. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love the soundtrack from this one, I couldn't have uh, whoever did the soundtrack uh, doing it for my life because it gave me too much anxiety. So <laughs> near the end, anyway. But we had we had to pick somebody though. Would it be Wu Tang? Would be Wu Tang. Yeah, my life is so uh, so hardcore. Hey, was, uh, hey, tell me, tell tell me that House of Pains jump around wasn't like the white person national anthem for like oh 19, yeah for like nineteen ninety two like now. <laughs> Still like, is, you, isn't it? You can see the most reserved white fucking people, and the minute House of Pain jump around comes on, like some motherfucker like, uh, like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka would be jumping out of bed to fucking dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know every word of that song, so... Sing it for us, Jody. Go. Yes. 
Oh, pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me. That's sent. I know every word yeah. of that song. <laughs> nice. Jody, everyone knows. I'm pulling first that. Ver- first verse, keep going. Huh? <laughs> I said, everybody knows the first verse. You got to keep going now. Uh, I'll serve your ass like John McEnroe. If a girl steps up, I'm smacking the hoe. Word to your mama came to drop bombs. I got more lyrics than the Bible got songs. See? I, I heard smack a hoe, and Jody is bald, and so is Dana White. So. Same <laughs> uh, I'm impressed, Jody. I'm impressed. I'm I know. Right. I'm I'm I, gonna make that a clip. My 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 brain for lyrics is like I don't know math anymore, but that's what I've got. I got lyrics. I got lyrics, but you ain't got none if you come to battle with a shotgun. Because if you do, you're a fool because I'll do it to the death. Trying to step Dude. to me, you take your last breath. I know all of this song. I am not joking. Well, we get down there for Chattanooga Film Festival. We're gonna have our own Airbnb, and we're gonna do a bunch of cocaine. And we're gonna watch Jody just do some. Uh, we're gonna watch Jody do some freestyle. You know, I feel like though, if we we're doing a bunch of cocaine and we had that thing just sitting in the garage, or we found it in the garage, I think we'd all just leave. Yeah, like we've all seen enough horror movies. Like, yeah, we're just leaving. Right. I think. I think we'll, we'll get knows- Uber. <laughs> I think of enough enough of us have anxiety issues that if we did a bunch of cocaine, we just all be sitting in the corner like checking our pulse. Okay, no, it's going too fast, too fast, too fast. We we'd all, we'd all be we'd all be just yeah, have anxiety. We would just pretend the thing in the garage didn't exist and deal with it in the morning. You just put like tape over the door to remind yourself not to go in there. Lock it. I, I might have I I might have done that to um, the kitchen at some point when I was doing something else. <laughs> Um, what what about you, Jason? Metallica? No, no. I, so again, yeah, you need mood. You need different moods. So I would definitely do uh, my favorite electronic artist, DJ Shadow. Okay. There's a lot of really good mood stuff. Did you hear that new Metallica song? That stupid song. Yeah, I'm. I won't say terrible, no, but bad, I'm Jason. not it's fucking bad. <laughs> I. I can't. Trying so hard. Okay, dude. Trying if you're, so if you're, hard. If you're like, hmm, and you like the Unforgiven too, then uh, yeah, we gotta. <laughs> I'm just guessing. And that's like so. why I don't want to buy tickets to a show before the album comes out because I'm like, mm. well, yeah, man, I'm not gonna. And yeah, yeah, we're not going down that road. But. Yeah, dude, it's it's uh, it's not good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's just not good. Like, you, you get a you get a, a like a, a D for effort, but. Um, it, it just seems like they're going for the motion, the motions at this point. Like, just don't put albums out. Just fucking play the hits. Like, I don't know. But then, then again, ACD still put out. But dude, I'm same three chords. Yeah, but then Iron Maiden is still putting <laughs> fucking great records out. But people and people get mad because they're too prog rocky. I'm like, dude, it's fucking. They've earned the right to do whatever the fuck they want to do at this point. And Metallica's earned that right too. But it just seems like this is very forced music. Like they're they're writing it to put an album out, not because they want to put an album out, because uh, they're owned by the record company at this point. Yeah, it's been like seven years since the last one, so you think they could I like, like? I liked Hardwired. I, I like Hardwired. There was it should not have been a double album. There's just no, too much no, filler no, stuff. I think if they cut it, if they edit it down to one disc, it would have been amazing. I got that fancy like expensive box set for some stupid yeah. Reason. Some reason. Well, I know it's not stupid. My wife bought it for Christmas, and it's fucking great. I love listening to it. But you're right. There's a lot of filler on there. Um, but um, dad advice. I don't have any good advice for our, our our listeners out there right now, except for it's it's fucking 2023. 2023. January's almost over. You know, we made it through the holiday season. Give yourself a pat on the back. Kids are back to school. Dude, I've been on the road so much. 
Like I've been after next week, I'll be on the road four weeks already this year. And I'm, oh my god, I'm burnt. Yeah. Out. Tell my boss I'm burnt out. Uh, Nikita, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I'm fucking burnt out, dude. Like, figure some shit out. That's his real name, by the way. If you guys want to look him up. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> he has a last name too. It's Koloff, Nikita Koloff. There, there's something about traveling, even when you haven't like done any. It's not like I went to Chicago last week. And I felt more jet lagged and tired after that trip than I did coming back from Europe. And I'm on the same time zone the entire time. Dude, yeah. people, when I tell people I travel for work, they think it's glamorous. There's nothing glamorous. So let me tell you about my first, when I had to go to Northwood the first time, it's I had to leave, I had to, I had to beat the airport. Well, my flight left at 11 p.m. Las Vegas time. It landed in Philadelphia at like 7 a.m. with a time change. I had a two and a half hour layover to get in a plane to go an hour to Norfolk. Got to Norfolk. Had to rent a car and drive an hour to the hotel. Jeez. Like you can tell me where that glamorous life starts, but it ain't right. <laughs> traveling for work is not glamorous, man. It's just a lot of. Like, next week I'm going to San Diego. Luckily, it's just driving, so it's a four hour drive. No big deal. That's I, I'm, a, I'm I'm more okay with driving somewhere. I, I, for some reason, it makes me tired or having to deal with flying. Maybe it's just the airport and everything else. Fly, no, flying's exhausting because you got again you have to deal with the airport deal, and especially like if you're taking your kids too, you got to deal with all that. Yeah. That's the, it's just me at least, which is which yeah. makes it easier. I don't care to drive. Like I mean, even an eight hour drive, you know, that's that's where the beach is here. Ooh, like it's an eight it. hours. I don't. It it doesn't bother me. But I also like live in a place that to go six. to the theater is a thirty minute drive. So yeah. you know, like. Things are far away when you live in the sticks. Um, Jason said he has to pee. He just left his post. Could you just? I mean, I mean, we're at the, like the end of the show here, so we're just kind of you can, you can right fucking now. Hold just kind of keeping things going. Is your bladder okay? Is your prostate fine? Do we know? <laughs> well, it's time to go get a check. So have you tested? Oh, have you gotten checked before? Not thoroughly. Not thoroughly. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. Anything else before we wrap up? Do you want to talk about prostates? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's your dad' advice. Go get that check. If you're if you're uh, hitting your fortieth birthday, you should probably get that check. Sometime. It's also an erogenous zone. I'm just gonna All say. Right. But uh, that's what go. I've heard. But <laughs> also, what you've heard. Okay. Okay, Jason. Okay. So my dad' advice is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget your, you get your colonoscopy and your. Um... No, my 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 dad advice is look into the P spot. <laughs> just saying, why would you ignore like fifty percent of your erogenous zones? It's, yeah, that's just dumb. We're too fucking we're too fucking old to not have a, a amazing climaxes like the movie Climax. Okay, <laughs> all right. This is where Jason wraps us up. That wraps but, up but, but another episode. Wrong. I'm pretty sure, like tonight, pretty sure tonight, you guys will both be doing some research. <laughs> Next week, we will review. We will be reviewing the season finale of Cabinet Curiosity. It's not even that uncomfortable. You just have to kind of let it go and just just just, just roll with it. Let it go. Yeah. Anyways, that will be episode uh, eight. The murmuring. Speaking of, yeah. um, we appreciate everyone for listening. Really appreciate don't it. Any, don't let anyone murmur your prostate. Though. That's just weird. Lock until you try it. Yeah. We would really appreciate if you would give us a rating or review on iTunes or rating on Spotify. Check out our Patreon listening. for bonus content. Also, check out our YouTube for videos of this podcast. <laughs> and with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Go Niners. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch, but be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> so tell us the crypt. Okay, I'm going to start that over because I just stumbled over. <laughs>